Welcome to the Jada Edwards Podcast, where I get to take a few moments to share with you what God is sharing with me. In order to be bold, to live a brave life for the glory of God, he's going to ask us to interact with unlikely people. Now, we all know in the story of Joshua, my girl Rahab, she's, Rahab is the stuff, y'all. She's, she's, she's good stuff. And, and I love her story because she's not a church girl, right? I mean, she's far from a church girl. But, but she was used greatly by God. Um, Jer- Joshua and his spies had to interact with an unlikely person. I don't know that when they went to spy out Jericho, I don't know that when they went to conquer Canaan and stand on the promises of God, that they thought they'd have to make an ally amongst their enemy. Forget the fact that she was a harlot or a female or all these things that didn't make sense. She was of the enemy. And then they had to befriend her because they needed her. So when I say unlikely people, yes, God is going to call us to interact with people who don't look like us and don't think like us and don't have our heritage, don't have our background, they don't have our worldview. God is going to call us to to be intentional about relationships. Even if it's not explicit gospel sharing, he may call us to serve and to live out purpose among unlikely people. But more importantly than that, than people who don't look like us or think like us, he may call us to actually start to have to make allies among the enemy. These are the people who you are vehemently opposed to. Like Joshua is like, I'm about to like destroy your entire city, your entire land. But somehow God set it up where they actually needed her in order to be successful in the way God had created their plan. So unlikely people, Yes, she was a female. Yes, she had uh, a background that didn't seem like it would be compatible with Joshua and his spies, but God used her, used their willingness to connect with her, to form some level of relationship or partnership with her so they could accomplish God's plan. And here's the thing. If you walk into that city, if you walk into that space and you start discounting people, you say, nope, not her, not him. Nope, nope, nope. You might miss how God is going to work out his calling in your life. Because they could have walked in there and be like, oh, not her. I mean, no, A, female, B, prostitute, no. Okay, so we need somebody that kind of looks, uh, let's, let's keep looking. And they may have walked right past the open door that God had for them. Because doing bold things requires us to interact with unlikely people. So Jesus demonstrated the same philosophy, right? It's Jesus and the tax gatherers, that whole thing. But here's the thing I think is a wrestle for us, y'all. In our society today, um, the way that we are getting into our thinking, our own kind of homogenous way that we see the world, we're, we're kind of getting into this space of if you disagree, or if we don't think the same, then we don't really know how to engage and interact in a healthy way with people who don't think like us. Um, it's, it's becoming, I think, increasingly polarized in many different areas. You know, do, is it virtual or is it in person? Is it this or is it that? It's like all of these things. It's like every single issue becomes some opportunity for division. I was watching this movie. Have y'all seen The Social Dilemma? Oh my gosh. Go watch The Social Dilemma. I didn't even have Netflix. I was like holding out because I don't know if y'all know Enneagram. I'm an Enneagram 4. So just, just to be going against the grain, I do things just because I'm like, if everybody else is doing it, then no. All right, so... I didn't even have Netflix until like a month ago. I was like, cable is fine. I love my cable. I, that's fine. Then this movie comes out. And I was like, this is like the 10th movie I've wanted to see. It's only on Netflix. So I subscribed to Netflix, y'all. I drank the Kool-Aid. And um, 
I would just like to submit that Netflix is like crack, okay? Because once you subscribe and you can watch it everywhere, every tablet, every device, it's just, you're, you look up and you're like, I've watched eight seasons of The Office. I didn't even know, <laughs> I didn't even know there were that many seasons. That like, I forgot how funny this show was. And when that comes, I mean, before the credits finish rolling on the next episode, it's got the next episode queued up. And so then you're brushing your teeth and you're like, what? Oh my gosh. And then you're like trying to do your, because you're watching Netflix. It's like a gateway drug. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so it's, it's, it's really ridiculous. And I keep telling myself, I'm going to cancel my subscription just to prove that I can and um, I have yet to do that. So, um, and then I tell myself, oh, but then I have to call. It's on an auto pay. It's recurring. You know, you start telling yourself why you shouldn't do it. Uh, so anyway, I'm watching this movie, The Social, Di- Social Dilemma, and it's really good because they're talking about just the role of social media in our lives uh, and, and the um, kind of the strategy, the behind the scenes strategy that uh, large organizations are using as they are keeping us attached and connected and engaged with social media. Uh, all of the things that they have, these goals that they have to keep us scrolling, to keep us clicking through, uh, to keep, our, uh, keep us divided. So I knew that I knew that many of these organizations have a goal for high engagement, right? They want you to click through everything and they got a recommended video. As soon as you watch that, then you should try this. And it's like they're listening because as soon as you think I need black boots, then you get an advertisement for black boots and you're like. (laughs) I mean, because the devil, I'm like, what in the world? I mean, literally, you'll be talking about it and all of a sudden you're like, I mean, well, maybe, maybe I should get these boots, you know? And then you get sucked in. And so I knew those things. But what was interesting was when they explained kind of how algorithms work with what we see in social media. And they were explaining how as soon as you like something or even look at it for longer than some set number of seconds or minutes and they decide, oh, you like this kind of content. Well, what happens is you continue to get more of that content, right? And so over time, they're saying what was meant to have some good intention to kind of customize your social media experience to keep you from having to navigate this ocean every time you logged on to give you things that they kind of spoke to what you're interested in. That, that may have been the intention, but what it's created now is people who really have the inability to understand that other people might think differently. Because it's put us in such a pigeonhole where as soon as I like that thing, then something else similar is what keeps coming at me. So then that's all I'm reading. And so then when I talk to people and I say, well, you know that all chairs have to be read if they're going to be good chairs. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh my gosh, you haven't seen the facts? I have all the facts. And I can point them to 25 articles that tell me about red chairs. Because as soon as I clicked on the first one, that's all that kept coming at me. And so when they try to explain to me, well, there's nothing wrong with a nice gray chair. I'm like you're headed to hell. I don't, even, I don't even know you right now, right? Because how? Because guess what happened? They believe that gray chairs are the best chairs. And as soon as they clicked on that, that's all they started getting. Gray chairs, gray chairs, gray chairs. And so what happens is, uh, instead of us all having access to information, like back in the day when you had your encyclopedia set and, and you could go and, and figure out, everybody had the same set of information. If you don't know what encyclopedia sets, for those of you who are under 25, go ask somebody, or you probably can Google it. And, um, but you had to get one, you know, and you had to make sure the year wasn't too old and you had to borrow somebody. Anyway, so... That, that has changed. I mean, even when you go to Google to search something, as soon as you type in those first couple of words, when Google auto-fills that, it's depending on where you are and other things you've been searching, right? So one of the examples they gave was like, if you type in climate change, 
and you don't feel it. It'll say, Google will auto-fill it with climate change is bad, climate change is fake, climate change is real, climate, depending on where you've been, what you've been searching, and they're looking at what is going to already speak to what you believe. So it's not objective truth, right? So it makes it very difficult for us to press into unlikely places and, and interact with unlikely people because what we are being fed only affirms what we already believe. It's the equivalent, as one of the men said in the, uh, in the documentary, it's the equivalent of going to Wikipedia, which is supposed, even though it's user-based, user it's still one Wikipedia page that everybody sees. If you go and search Charlie Brown in Wikipedia, you're going to see the same thing. He says, imagine if you went to Wikipedia and you typed in Charlie Brown and every 10 friends typed in Charlie Brown and all of you all got different articles, different perspectives on who Charlie Brown was based on who you are and what you've been doing on social media. So you can imagine now that it has, it has altered our equilibrium to be able to assess objective truth. So when God is, God might be challenging us and pushing us to be in places that are uncomfortable, interact with people, have people say things to us and they don't say it in the right way and they don't say it in a loving way. And sometimes they say it ignorantly and sometimes they say it maliciously and we can translate that and say, okay, I hear what they're saying. I don't like how they said it, but okay. What, what, is there a seed of truth in here? What is this person trying to say? How do I respond? Do I respond here online? Probably not. Do do I reach out to them? Do I pray about it? What do I do with this? Because that, that ability to process is I don't immediately discount something just because it doesn't sit right with me. I have to ask God, what, what do I say in this space? What do I do? How do I engage in this relationship? What happens when someone who is like, they just have poor text etiquette, right? They just don't know. And so every time they reply to you, you're like, I don't, this is rude. And then when we're not sure, you know, you ask your friend, you're like, is this rude to you? Like, if you read this, would this be rude? And you're like... That's so petty. Just ask the person what they meant. Just pick up the phone, right? So, but it has to, you have to have this, this uh, belief that God is going to always be stretching us because our boldness is not going to always, like I said, be on some bold, big platform, big stage. It's often going to be in our one-on-one -on -one conversations. It's going to be in our interactions. It's going to be in our personal relationships. And I have to always be thinking, how can God be glorified in this moment? Not what feels good to me, not what makes sense to me, not what's comfortable to me, not what have I I always done. How can God be glorified in this moment? Which means I have to be talking to God because he want, what he wants me to do today might be a little different than how he wants me to handle it in a week from now. I have to be talking to him because that is how my boldness and my bravery is going to show up for the Lord. So Joshua has Rahab and she's being bold. She's doing her thing. She's hiding the spies. I mean, she made up a story. She sent the king's men off into the wilderness looking for the spies and had the spies on her roof. She did her own negotiating, props to Rahab, uh, made sure her family was going to be safe. I mean, it was just, it was crazy, right? This Rahab person that ends up being their ally and kind of a critical point, a critical part of their strategy, uh, a critical part for her, the salvation of her family. And she, and they allowed, and she allowed them to spy out this land that Joshua sent them for. Um, but she also had to walk in some faith, right? She had to wait for them to return and, and the whole nine yards. And so unlike a relationship with her, unlikely response from her. And then she winds up in the lineage of Christ because this woman had faith. She had a heart that was already open to God. Here's the thing. Again, if you just look past the people that don't make sense to you or don't, don't, don't vibe well with you, you'll miss 
miss it because when she started talking to these spies, she said, I know in verse eight that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us. She said, when we heard it, our hearts melted. Now, please swear to me by the Lord. This is a woman from a pagan, highly pagan, highly sexualized society. And now these men come to her and she says, I know your Lord is where our hearts melted. Now, will you make a promise to me by this Lord that you serve? Like, you, they could have missed a gospel opportunity just because they walked past somebody that didn't make sense to them. So this is not just about you saying, I want to broaden my circle of friends, y'all. This is about divine moments that God is creating for us. And they're not going to always be with people that make sense to us and people that think like us and people who grow up like us. But we cannot just walk past what's uncomfortable or what's unlikely because we might miss what God might be wanting to do in an unprecedented way. So they have this relationship with Rahab, changes the game obviously for her life and she becomes an uh, important part of this story. So unprecedented things, unlikely places, unlikely people. And lastly, it's because God is gonna call us to serve an unlikely purpose. An unlikely purpose. Things that might not always map out, but God in his grace seems to work it out some kind of way. Um, my, my life is pretty busy and people ask sometimes, oh, you're doing a lot. How are you doing so much? And, and a lot of times it's because uh, people view your life through their own capacity. And so if they're not comfortable with how you're doing in your life, then they, they want you to make adjustments so that they feel comfortable oh, you need to do something different or oh, that's too much or you need to, you need to uh, kind of take, get some rest or you need to do this, do that, which is true. I mean, I'm all about the rest. But I also know me, right? And I am a bit scattered. I'm a bit scattered brain. And so God in his sovereignty gives me 50 things to do all the time because I'm the kind of person that probably would make up stupid things to do if God didn't give me good things to do all the time because I'm scattered, you know, and my son is the same way. Sometimes he's just jittery and I'm like, you know what? Go run a lap around the block. You just need to go do some jumping jacks or something. Just, it's just energy, right? And so when people say, okay, you do this for church or you teach and then you have kids and then you're over creative ministry, you do worship stuff and you over dance and you over vocals and you women's Bible study, women's conference, da, da. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, all the things. Bring all the things on, right? Now, I'm not doing it myself. I have teams and all that stuff, but I remember as a kid uh, loving all things creative and loving music and loving dance, not a dancer, but certainly love dance and love how it can be used in a creative environment, love drama, love acting, not an actor, but always was like, dang, gosh, the, the church needs these things, not the world. And I remember thinking through all these things, and I remember when God called me to teach the Bible with uh, 2 Timothy 4, to preach the word and be like, yes, this is my calling too. And I remember y'all almost feeling depressed when I was like, God, but everybody else has this one thing they know they've been called to do. What are you going to do with me? And I've got all these pieces. And to me, they're all part of my passion. Only God could put me in a place where I oversee a creative ministry, where I get to teach women, where I get to disciple, where I get to enjoy my family, where I get to be in ministry and still have my downtime, where I get to have a free spirit but still have structure in what I do. Only God can craft your life, right? He can take all the scattered pieces and make them make sense. So the thing that he might be calling you to do might be something that needn't even cross your mind right now. So you have to say, God, what unlikely thing might you be asking me to do? I don't want to limit you with what's logical. I don't want to confine you to what makes sense. 
Maybe there's some part of you tonight and you know it's like this untapped thing, this, this unrealized passion, and you know it's a God-given passion. And maybe you're doing two of the three things or three of the five things and you're like, but God, but do I have time for this? Or can I still do this? Or am I, am I too old to start doing this? Am I, am I qualified enough? Or I'm so busy. I would, I would challenge you to submit that to the Lord tonight. He has not given you any passion in your heart. He's not giving you any aspect of your story that will be wasted. Nothing is wasted with God. But are we willing to be bold with it? Are we willing to be strong and courageous? Are we willing to do unprecedented things and be in unlikely places with unlikely people so God can fulfill an unlikely purpose in us? You know, my, my son is, um, he's, he's a bit of an entertainer, but he can still have a little shyness to him. And not too long ago, our children's ministry asked him to get up on stage and help with some storytelling. And um, he didn't tell me about it. I just heard later from one of our children's pastors that, hey, yeah, we asked Joe to do this, but he said he didn't want to. He was afraid to do it. And I was like, he was afraid to be on stage? Like, he's like entertainer of the year. And so I said, okay. And I remember going home and asking him, I was like, bud, why, why did you not want to get up and tell the story and be a part of story time? He was like, I mean, I was just afraid. I said, but you like storytelling. Yeah, but what if I messed up? And what if people laughed? And I just thought it wasn't going to go well. And I was like, dude, you are seven. You're anxiety level. We got to talk about this. And so he just, I mean, he's an overthinker at seven. And so I said, okay, I understand that you're afraid. I said, but, you know, we talk about Joshua being strong and courageous and all that. But I also told him, I said, anytime God gives you an opportunity to do something and you know that he's made you good at it, we say yes. I said, even if it feels uncomfortable. If God gives the opportunity and God has made you good at the thing, we say yes. He said, okay, all right. So about a couple of weeks later, they asked him again. <clears throat> they were like, hey, do you want to do story time? <laughs> He's looking at me. He's like, I'm looking at him like, We've already talked about this. And it's not because he needs to do ministry. It's not because he needs to be on stage. I know what he's good at. And so I said, and, and fear cannot be a deciding factor. And so I said, what are you going to say? He was like, I'm going to do it. I said, okay. So we talked about it. We tried to pep talk. And I'm like, you can do it. Knock it out the park. God has made you fearfully, wonderfully strong, courageous, all of giving all the pep talk. And he was like, I got it, mom. I was like, all right, all right. I'll just go sit back here. And so he was like, no, you can't be in the room. All right, I'll leave the room. So after it was over, I asked him, I said, how was it? Did you, did you feel strong and courageous? <laughs> he said, no, I was still scared. I said, but how did it go? He said, but it went well. I said, now, isn't that interesting? I said that even doing it scared, it went well. I said, you know, you don't always have to feel brave to do brave things. I said, even when you're afraid, even when you're intimidated, if you're just willing to say yes, God will be glorified. And by the way, He's more glorified when you do it scared than when you do it and you're confident. He's more glorified when you're second-guessing yourself and you do it anyway. He's more glorified when you're insecure and you're intimidated and you say yes anyway. And so I would like to encourage you tonight, women, that God has called us to a boldness and a braveness and it's not going to always be comfortable. And the courage is not going to always be something we wear and everyone won't always see it. But if you just say yes in the small spaces, in the everyday conversations and in the big career decisions and ministry decisions, whatever it is, if you just say yes, I promise you, you will not live a bland life. Saying yes to God will always end up in boldness. 
So may you be brave even in unprecedented things, in unlikely places, with unlikely people, so you can fulfill an unlikely purpose. What I'd like to do tonight is just to pray for you if that's okay. Um, if you don't mind just standing and you can do it at the campuses, I'll let the campuses do it on their own. I want us to pray tonight just for that boldness, that God would stir that up, that we don't have to muster up courage. We don't have to be the extroverted types. We just need to be obedient and willing. And that's what I want to pray for us tonight. Father, I thank you so much for every daughter in the room. I thank you for every person for everyone that is hearing this truth tonight, because God, in your sovereignty, you bring us to the right place in the right moment so you can give the right word. So I pray right now that you would help us to be aware of the fear, the insecurity, the doubt, the hesitation that is keeping us from saying yes to whatever that next thing is, God. Whatever makes us insecure, would you speak strength and courage into that? Whatever makes us doubtful, God, would you speak promise into that? Will you remind us of who you are? Will you keep us from doubting what you said just because what we see doesn't line up? Will you free us from imitating the life of another, God? Would you give us the courage in the name of Jesus to live our own life the way that you've crafted us? God, there are so many opportunities for life change in this room, God. Not just the lives of those that are here, but the lives that you have for us to change every time we say yes. So God, would you give us a willingness to step into the yes, even when we're afraid to do it scared, to be bold even when we don't feel it, to understand that your glory rests in our obedience, God. We thank you for your goodness. God, I want us to be different tonight. Regardless of age and season, I know that you don't call us to a mundane and routine life. You've got something for us until the day you call us home. May we be unsatisfied with mediocrity. May we be discontent with status quo. May we not walk in fear just because of the things around us. May the forgiveness and the love and the passion and the authority of God Go with us so that you can be glorified, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, make sure and leave a comment or a review and share and subscribe. Have a great one.